Hey guys, it's your big face host, Sammy Jane here. Um, I just wanted to give you guys a heads up again. This is another one of the interviews that I did before COVID, before the pandemic. So I just wanted to give you guys a heads up. So if it seems confusing that it doesn't really align with the way we're living now, it absolutely does not. Um, but Nikki Neon, my guest, and the interview that we did was just such a beautiful experience. And so the interview I did with Nikki Neon uh, was such a beautiful, inspiring experience. And even though it's not exactly how we're living right now and things are different, uh, it's really nice to remember what's important. And this interview did that for me and I'm sure it will for you. So guys dig in. Um, it's a two-parter, part one, part two. So two weeks coming at you. Enjoy guys. And now this week's edition of Big Face with your host, Samantha Jane Tilton. Hey, it's Nick Neon and we are back with some more chit chat on the big face. <laughs> Big face, part two with Nick Neon. Hey, yo. <laughs> I, I actually wanted to ask you about that, um, yeah. about that when he's on the roof. And and it is significant. I just have to say, yes, that he's drinking in every scene. Yeah. And then he's drinking coffee. At young ages, we are ill-equipped to handle everything that life may have for me, yeah. may have thrown me. I was in the hospital for alcohol poisoning. I was so lost for so many years. Yeah. And I used so many things to to numb out, to not, it's, life is hard. Yeah. But I'm so, I just have to say I'm grateful that you grabbed a coffee. I'm grateful that you're making films. Yeah. I'm grateful. Because it could have gone in a different direction. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm. I, no, I was going to say, I have to, I owe the last five, six years to writing because everything that started this and triggered everything it started with like someone who i thought once upon a time i wanted to marry the first time i ever had that feeling yeah and we don't know we had only been together three months and by that point that's what i felt yeah but i didn't when and then but i was in a very toxic space and he eventually left and i had to when he it felt like i always say this it was like he was right in front of me and when he left me it was like he stepped away and there was a mirror behind him and when mm. i saw my reflection i was so disgusted and i hated myself yeah. and that put me on that path but one thing that i remember doing in like 2014 that summer was very dark for me but i was writing just in journals like yeah. who is he why him why me why, why? like why am why everything and one day it just occurred to me, why did I want to marry someone I only knew for three months? Because I was so desperate to be saved and that I was so lost and that I had to do work. And that changed my life. And that led to me remembering that film was the most important thing. Mm. I was ready to give up my life for another person. I know. You know, like, just like, I, I was like, it. I could be happy just like, I'll just I'll just teach English for the rest of my life and mm -hmm. be happy with this person and watch movies together and that will be my life. Yeah. 
and it that was not for me and it and i'm and i'm always so grateful and but my point just being that then that started the process of writing ultra blue and and then another one and another one and i keep going and i never thought i'd be writing dramas but i also never thought i could act in them and that's what i always wanted i, I wanted to create the vehicle for myself to be heard and seen and so that i could reflect and that's what i'm finally doing through jimmy park and i'm i'm just grateful because not even it's not just the queer community that yeah. has responded and that to me is so powerful i identify with everything that you're saying so much yeah. and and with his character it is not just a queer thing it is a mm -hmm. soul thing yeah that i just i identify with wholly um man yeah it's just and and you know that that person for me i've had that person where oh, it was all about that person and for it to be all about that person was just another another aspect of alcohol or drugs or mm -hmm. food or anything right that just a just substitution took, yes, yeah yeah people can be, be that too yes. yeah yeah there's people there's anything anything yep. that makes me not have to be with me yeah yeah and yes and so while it was so heartbreaking and excruciating to lose these things or people over time it was a blessing like you're mm -hmm. saying like i i got to learn i got to be with me no. who i never even knew i had to learn it took it was a process and still yeah. a process to be good right. with me right. you know man but yeah and um so much i want to say yeah what made you, this is total veering off but what yeah. made you go to korea um, it's probably not veering off as a matter of fact. It's probably not. It's probably right? exactly yeah. the same. Yeah, this is crazy. Well, so you know, like again, my mom's Korean, and I grew up in you know a lower class family, so we never went. Never happened. Yeah. Never afforded. It. We never afforded it, and it never happened. And then my parents split around eleven, and from there forward, I just you know I, I, I just like I I knew I was gay early on. Yeah. And so during the divorce i started to blame myself for it i was like oh it's, they split up because i'm gay you know unfounded but that's what i thought of course and i don't say of course I, no i know I, yeah I yeah but of course that's, I'm, that's what i would do yeah, that's yeah. Very, of course you know as yeah, kids it's I get all it. about us yes and... yeah and so you know i basically grew up like i spent my adolescence kind of being raised by film and tv and video mm -hmm. games like just in my room i locked myself away and then went to college and did the thing that I loved being around, which was film. And so by the time I was leaving school, like, the, oh, I think it's important to state that, like, my mom was the one who left. So I, w I stayed with my brother and father. Yeah. And so that, you know, like, so, and, but there was always this lingering thing of my mother. Like, she was like this ghostly thing that slipped through my fingers. And you know eventually we, we we were all in touch and um you know we had a relationship but it was never it was just not the same yeah. and i'm still on this journey of like fig of of healing that that wound from childhood but you know obviously my mom is like the korean part and i associate i identify as asian so much so yeah. so like losing that truly like kind of was like losing sections of my spine and in 2007, 
there was there was like bubbling news about this like Korean film that was making waves and it was a monster movie and I was like mm. what the fuck because I'm obsessed with monster movies <laughs> and they were like rave reviews and it was by this filmmaker named Bong Joon-ho yeah. and Bong Joon-ho just recently won four Oscars for Parasite, Parasite. and I've seen it 11 times have you? yeah and because you no and so for me it's like of course. my journey is like bookended like my journey to find who I am mm-hmm. and then claim it is bookended by that man and his journey and you know like i just remember in 2007 watching his film thinking it was so incredible and so beautiful and then i bought tickets for my mom and i to go see it together and I rem- i'll never forget her just being like it was good but hollywood's better and i'm like leave it to my fucking mom to be like more american than me now and i've got all this korean pride and she's like over it and so like, like been there done that. yeah Fuck that. And, uh, <laughs> but that movie after while watching it the first time i was like i think i want to go to korea after i graduate Mm -hmm. so that was the impetus that just seeing the environment i felt like i was home i felt like i knew these people and that energy and the culture and i was like this sounds like something i need to do for myself and then that started you know like a a year-long journey of figuring out how it was going to happen while i was like in my final year of college then I ultimately stumbled upon teaching English where they would pay for your apartment, pay for your airfare, pay you a good salary. You just needed to be able to speak English and have a degree. And so it was this ridiculous thing. And and so at 21, I graduated at 21 and I was, I had my first apartment and I was living free and, and it was this incredible journey. And that's what started my train like in Korea and that part of my life. And I basically feel like I spent basically most of my twenties overseas and, and sorry and then nope. and then it's like nope. i finally came back yeah. and started making films that i was in and i was i said i'm an actor and i i held on to that hmm. and so back to 2008 when i was graduating i was like i can't be an actor i don't see asian faces and i don't see you know like gay people yeah it's like 12 years later the man whose film inspired me to go to korea and find my culture and my cultural background and to, to be more proud of being Asian. It's like he, you know, like his latest film reminds me absolutely of why I want to do this. Yeah. And so like there was like this moment when the Oscars were happening where I was just like, this is, this is, I don't even know. Like this is complete magic. I, I just have to comment yeah. on like, there's something about, so like, okay, you're Asian, gay, and you're like, I don't see these things. So it made you feel like I have no spot acting. Like there's not a spot for me. Yeah. And I, I'm taking that in for myself as well. And for and I'm saying this for every person out there that feels like they don't know where they fit, if there is a space to fit, what the climate is, what the ty- what their type is, which is something we hear so often in this business, right? Yep. Type. Type. Type, type, type. Yeah. And you know what? And I, ironically, ahead, that I just want to add, like, yeah. that's part of my issue with, like, the gay community. They, it's this hyper mm. fetishized culture of types. We have a name. We have a, we have a fucking animal name for every body type. Yep. And everybody has their preference. And to me, that is, like, it's so disruptive to finding connection with other human beings because there's this there's a huge wall there. And it's I, and so, wall. yeah. And so, yeah, just to no. throw in, like, that type in any type in any format is a is a and inhibitor and it's a social construct yep, yep. that just 
in my opinion, it just gives people a way for them to feel comfortable within yes. whatever box we're talking right. about. Yeah. And it's the same thing with Western medicine. There are diagnoses about being yeah. bipolar or yeah. bipolar two or blah, blah, blah. And the thing is, and I remember speaking about this with somebody and wondering about like my you know uh mental illness runs in my family and and you know am i what are the chances of me having and all this stuff and the thing is is that somebody explained to me very clearly that all of those guidelines in the dsm and that all that stuff for psychology is to be able to put it in a box to be able to bill insurances so that way oh my god and that's the thing is that there are all these diagnosis codes for billing and what you're under and how to treat and what boxes to check. Yeah. And somebody explained to me very clearly that we are not one thing. We are not any or all of those things. We are aspects of so many mm-hmm. things, but yeah. people need to put it in a box so they know how to approach it. Yeah. It has more to do with them than it has to do with us. Yeah. In my opinion. I agree. And so there are all these labels and shit that make people feel better or give people a purpose as to how to go on. Yeah. Fuck the construct. Yeah. And it also also isolates everyone else on the other side. Exactly. On the journey to try and find your self-worth, it isolates the other again. And it's just, it goes against the code of the simple fact that we are all human. And there is no one type. Yeah. There is no one type, even if it checks a box. Somebody with this mental disease and another person with the exact same thing, it's not the exact not. same thing. The way that they struggle, the way that they it manifests, the way Their that they suffer, yeah. it They're, is yeah. completely different. So while you can give it the same diagnosis code or the same label in the gay community or whatever the fuck it is, yeah. it means fuck all. Yeah. And the same thing with this acting world and yeah. directing and everything. And I'm saying this for myself as well right now. I am not a type. I'm comedic. I'm dramatic. I have an expressive face that gets me into trouble and does not. Hence the name Big Face. face. I have a big ass face. It is noisy. I'm expressive. I feel shit. (laughs) Like, but you know, there. So for anybody out there, and I'm saying this because Mm -hmm. we're saying this, like, I identify with a million things and nothing at all. I can feel all alone and that I'll never find a place for myself or figure out what my message is or am I a fraud. And I'm just saying this. I think, look, even being here with my friend, my dear friend who's so talented and lovely and soulful, you identify with me and I identify with you. Mm -hmm. And we are so different. If you could see us, we are so different. Yeah, right. That's the thing. But yet the the connection connection is the humanity thing. Yep. And so like any of you listening out there, you're not alone. No. There is a spot for you in this business, if it is for this business, no. or in this world, if it's just trying to carve a space out for yourself, you deserve that, and you own your own spot. And I say that for myself as well. Yeah. Well so, said. onward is the end upwards. I totally cut you off, didn't I? What, no, what? I don't. So Korea, <laughs> Korea. No, that, yeah, yeah, just and that's it. I uh, question being in Korea. Did that help you get back in touch with identifying and being more okay with being Asian and being Korean? So ironically, it 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 didn't in some regards because I discovered I was still other. 
Mm. You know, like they, I've spent my whole life being told what the fuck I am and who, and how I'm supposed to behave. And I just, I am done with that. Again, constructs, you know, like when I was, when I'm here, it's like, I didn't feel white enough to hang out with the white kids, but the Asian kids didn't want to hang out with me because I looked white. You know, when I'm in Korea, I'm clearly foreign. When I'm here, I feel foreign. Yeah. You know, and and, and, and everybody wants yeah, and everybody wants to tell me what I am. And it's so frustrating. And I, I often go back to this one example where it's like a lot of people always like they're like, Yeah, but no, but you have you take on the privilege of like the white side and and I'm just like, You don't know shit about me. Yeah. You don't know at all about any of the fucking privilege? racism yeah. that I absorbed on my mother's behalf. Exactly. Or how much shame I had having a Asian mother. Everyone just calling me, like saying she's Chinese, like having a Chinese yeah. mom, not ever respecting that Korea was its own country. You know, like I, there were moments where I was so embarrassed to like admit that I had a Korean mother. Yeah. I didn't want her to be seen, you know, and then I look at my face and it's like I want to change my nose. I wanted a Caucasian nose because I have this like flat wide nose and it's like all the fucking ways in which we want to rip ourselves apart yeah. because the world did it first. Right. And I just don't. So anyway, so I I learned that the hard way that going to Korea didn't solve the issue. But there were tons of cultural things that made me realize I was Korean. Hmm. And those are things that I probably absorbed via my mother as a child that I just understood intrinsically. You know, even like some of the language came to me so naturally. And I just kind of had to understand that like I probably subconsciously just listen to my mom talking to her friends or being on the right. phone and it just yeah, but, yeah. it was in there i was raised it's in korean genetics. in a sense it's, it's in, in my genetics in, in some way it actually is and i truly believe yeah. that so yeah so so korea was an interesting exercise in discovering what parts of me are korean and what parts aren't and does it matter and and ultimately just discovering that i'm just nick what's amazing to me is that as you're saying that i'm just thinking about my mom who was from argentina hmm. and nobody in the world or in this business ever considers me anything other than white. Yeah. So yeah, so my mother, you know, it's just, it's amazing to me because I think back and, you know, I wish I could ask her as an adult, but she cared so much to assimilate Mm -hmm. when she got to this country. Her name was Anna, A-N-A. She legally changed it to Anne. Mm -hmm. She didn't teach us Spanish. And that was her first language. She didn't speak English until she came here when she was 18. Yeah. We had not an ounce, except always, like you said, I have an ear for Spanish because she spoke with her whole family. You know, uh, I never knew what it meant. But it's just, it's exactly what you're saying. And it's just, we all like have these things about ourselves that we like shun. Yep. That are part of who we are. And it's, it's such a shame. It's such a yeah, shame. And, then, and now we're living in a culture where everybody also wants to dictate for you yep what those things are what those things are and, that's and there's like, just, that's yeah. just it's just you just fucking garbage you, exactly and you've always you know i've always told you this you've always inspired me i you know i want to create my own material i mm. want to make films make content and i love you know you said something earlier about you know, not knowing what to do or how to do it right, so you're just paralyzed by that. Yeah. And I, I believe you said it way yeah. more eloquently. No, 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 that's, let, that was it. And that is like, that is the tale of my life. Yeah. I want to do it right. 
I want to be yeah, we right. We all want to perfect. And we want to be perfect before right. we can do it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't strike until everything is lined up, and it's just not how the world works. Yeah. You just have to go in. And I think we just yeah. I think we just got to love ourselves in all uh-huh. aspects of the process and just do it. Yeah. You have to love yourself and trust yourself enough to just do it. Just be. Mm-hmm. There's no downside. And, and the thing is that you. Here's the thing. I've done this now a few times. And here I am at the start of the next one, yep. the fourth round. And it's like, I know better. So that's what's different about now because of zero one. Yep. You know, I have a tattoo commemorating it. It's like, do you? I do. I haven't it seen just this says, yet. It have just I? says nothing good on the mm. back of my arm. It's for people behind me as I keep going forward <gasps> with you my did. life. You did. You told me. Yeah. This. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And it's for them to interpret because I have often felt like people have basically said I was nothing good. Mm. But it really is. Nothing good oh, gets you're, away. You're way more than good. You were, and you know how I feel. You're beyond special. You're just, you're just the best. Thank you. We need to shoot something in that diner where we had that, oh, yeah. where we had our diner oh, night. Oh god, recently. I know that's a great. That's dude. A great diner. That was intense. <laughs> the music, guys. If you could have uh-huh. seen this, it was like we came in and like Nick's got like this color on that like goes so well with like the mustard leather fake seats and like the lighting was all like dim and the music was like classy classic like 50s Mm -hmm. was a 50s music i mean it was just sinatra yeah it was just oh it was just some really good very classy oh just a classy diner moment it was a good yeah Yeah. and asking for pickles and them looking at me i'm like this little (laughs) jew from long island they were like pickles (laughs) i was like yeah what do you mean you don't don't start at a diner with pickles and coastline that was was my favorite thing (laughs) you were like oh shit pickles pickles yeah no because i'm fucking obsessed with pickles but i never thought i could ask a diner to give me pickles instead of like i don't know coleslaw or like bread it ain't a diner unless they give you pickles. yeah 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 (laughs) all right so so much so much that we still want to talk about but you did Mm. mention um about jurassic park when it all started oh yeah so i'm just curious is that is that when it all started jurassic park oh yeah yeah my first so it's like funny my tats really tell that story but it's like my first tattoo was the Jurassic Park trademark logo <gasps> right there. Nah. Yeah. And then nothing good is like from my latest film yes. tagline. And it's like, I think that journey's complete. The tattoos were meant to be reminders to myself. So I stay on track. And now I feel like I'm pretty on track. But I mean, I don't know. What is there not to say about Jurassic Park? It's fucking Jurassic Park. It, I, you know, I was six years old. My family was perfect at the time you know mm-hmm. there was no issue there there was no foreseeable divorce you know coming up like I was a happy kid with my brother and my mom and dad and we go to watch this movie I didn't I don't even think I saw the trailer you know what I mean like I didn't know anything about this movie but but we yeah <laughs> and it's just funny because it's like my parents I do owe it to my parents because they always were watching movies and like that that's what got me here you know movies are the oldest things i can remember in my life and i'll never forget i was six years old i to this day can recall the theater i was sitting in where in the theater i was seated the i almost can see myself outside of my body watching Mm. this film watching the other people watch the film i'll never forget the finale in my head thinking this is impossible how are they going to get out of this alive when the two raptors are on either side of them 
in the visitor center like oh my god and they're just like god. and the four of them are like holding each other and it's like laura dern and sam neill and they're just holding the kids and i remember so clearly being like what are they gonna do and when that t-rex mm. comes in and saves the day like <laughs> it just like it was it was i was it was an outer body experience and i didn't know at the time that that's what i wanted to do i thought that was magic i thought i was watching someone like Someone like sifted gold in the river and put it on screen. And it was like, that's what happened. No one actually made it. No one not. There wasn't right. a, an army of people constructing this film. I just thought it was real and magic in it. And I would always enjoy it. What's interesting is that it's not until more recent years. I, I watch films and I actually pay attention to the directors. Mm. When I was a kid. I'd watch movies and it was like, yeah, like I'd just yeah, look at the actors yeah. and be really excited. Oh, but I, I so never fun. really understood what a director's job was until mm. like I started as a casting right, director right. and then was told I was a director and then I started directing. And then that's like, I realized that that is enormous. That is just, and, uh, and so now every time I watch something, I want to know who's the DP, who's the mm -hmm. director. Like it's right, so right. significant into the editor. Yeah, the craftspeople. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, for those of you that are not in this world or haven't yet had experience, it's unbelievable what role those people play yeah. in how you experience this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, even like, you know, the DP, like the cinematographer can change literally how you look on screen with a lens the editor can make a performance better or worse by where they cut in silence or you know where the actor's pausing it's really like every single part of it is a really interesting intricate facet yeah it's, it's like it's like it's like an organic watch you know it's not like precision like a swiss watch right it's this organic fucking watch that's being crafted and every thing is about the craftsmanship of it but it's like mm. but i love that you can't fully predict the shape of it in the end nope but at the end it will work and it will tell you the fucking time <laughs> <laughs> on point <laughs> <laughs> So that was it for you. That was the start. Jurassic, yeah, Park. Jurassic Park. I didn't know it at the time, you know, and then that led to, and then, so and then the reason I got my tattoo was like in college, I found myself being very nostalgic and like looking back to the past and when I was happy and my happiest memories were like being a kid. Right. And then I thought, and then I remember I was working at the library and in my off time, I was just like on the computer. I was actually like in this phase of like buying you old toys. You worked in a library? Yeah. So the did school I. Library. That's too funny. That is funny, man. Because yeah. we're so Doesn't not like me. library people. Like, yeah, <laughs> actually. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. But it's funny. All of my, some of my best ideas that I'm still developing came from that library. Mm. I'm like, this is my, my biggest mantra is like, go slow and get bored. And for me, the library was the ultimate example of that. And I don't think it's any, I don't think it could be any more relevant today. Mm. You go know, slow and get yeah. bored. Go slow, get bored. Folks, you hearing that, kids? <laughs> go like, slow. Oh, yeah. That's that's a Nicky Neon right now. <laughs> Float that shit. Put on a t-shirt. <laughs> smile that shit up. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. No, it's my. No, thing. it's good. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. That's a really good reminder. It is. Yeah. That's what I try and I adhere to it now. Mm. That's why I went on my social media detox. Like I still haven't gone back. I said I was gonna go back. Basically Oscar night and it's been a week now. Oh yeah, a week. 
it's been a week extra than I planned to go on this detox, but I've been happy kind of just not being so constantly distracted, honestly. Like, it's just like... That's beautiful. Yeah. I, I have this thing, so I've been, with social media, like I've been told you should do that. You should put yourself out there. You right. should let people know you got above. And, and I hate that in our climate. We have yeah. to do that, especially in this business. But then I, I'm like, all right, I'll do it. And I'll put myself out there with all this trepidation and all mm. this like, I don't want to do it. It feels, it feels grimy. Yeah. But I do it. And then I don't look back at it. So like I, I, I have this like weighted stress of like, I have to write back to all these people that wrote, yeah. which is nice. That's why, see, that's why I yeah. left for my, my detox. I, I am, I hold too much empathy and it, it starts to wear me down. See, I, I feel like I owe everyone a response. That is me. I, I swear to you, if I showed you my list of things to do today, yep. it is Instagram, Facebook responses. Yep. This is, I swear, it's been on my list of things to do for days and days, probably like a couple of weeks. Actually, no joke, there's things that I mean to respond to from months ago. Yeah. yeah. That's how much it weighs I'm sure on I me. Am, yeah, I'm sure I still have I had when I left like 20 unanswered messages yep. on my DMs and I'm sure there's a few more and, and I'm and the thing is that I appreciate that people care to sure. reach out and connect with me so then it feels really crappy to, right, not, to respond not respond to that right. because because yeah, yeah. I know for me to take the action to even have time to send somebody a text it's like I sh there's just not enough time in a but, day you know and, and I was gonna say like the funny thing about that is that we share that right now and I think everyone does. But the thing we don't think about is like, do you ever like just do that? Like, do you, aren't you ever the person who sends the message and yeah. you don't really care for the response? Like, I yes. find I do that a lot. I'm like, I fucking loved your thing. Please keep doing what you're doing, yep. whatever. It's not like I wanted a response. Uh, yep. You know what I mean? And so it's like when it's on us, we always add uh, more. It's amazing. It's that fucking imposter thing. It's like... <sighs> Man. in a different way yes you know you know what's so interesting of course you do that and of course you that is so you to send a message without expecting a response without even caring no. i'll be honest if i send a message and i truly care to connect with somebody there is this oh, piece yeah. of like yeah. i hope to hear back yeah but there is no expectation because yeah, yeah, i yeah, know yeah, me there's so many people i care about that i don't have time to get back to right so I, I i let it go and i don't take it personal see that well that's what i do too yeah some of the times i reach out and it's like i'd hope to for, for a response yeah. sure but i don't hold it against the person i yeah i yeah. never do but that's so many friends that i've lost in my life that yeah took right. everything personal exactly and couldn't understand that it yeah. wasn't about them uh -huh. i i learned that I, I i take very little personal it's, yeah. you know so much is not about us yeah, yeah. I, I really believe in that like you have to kind of move through life with humor yeah. god I gotta laugh more yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh it's true I think the I think laughter is the only thing keeping me alive I, yeah. I swear to god when I'm in my, like my worst places if I can remember to do this there was something I watched a bazillion years ago where somebody was like when you're so miserable just start to laugh <laughs> like That's out funny. of nowhere <laughs> And like, just start to laugh. Huh. And it, I promise it'll make you feel better. And I'm not kidding. This is so rare that I actually take that advice. Yeah. But there have been times in my life where I was in a really bad place and I thought of it. And I just started to pretend to laugh. Uh-huh. And the very act of that. Interesting. Is like, you know, uh, I've been in Andy Roth's class, yeah. you know, VO yeah, class. Yeah. And he talks a lot about outside in acting. He's like... You're gonna get all in your head and your heart trying to trying to experience this thing. He's like, just you, you know, 
and he just does all the stuff with his hands and his personality that mm-hmm. like affects a character like mm-hmm. that makes a character act a certain way just by being external about it and it's interesting yeah you just start to laugh and your face goes into this position and you start making this noise and then all of a sudden i just i genuinely start laughing yeah because like it's that's fascinating. funny that's cool i almost want to try it with you right now yeah no <laughs> It's such a like a private thing because yeah, it's no, so no, it's weird. Like, but yeah. like, no joke. If like, seriously, I won't even look at you. But just try and like look away and just start to pretend to laugh. I'm gonna. I'll do it to you if you want. Wait, wait, okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, it's holy shit. <laughs> Right? It makes you laugh. It makes you laugh because it's like cause silly because you're like, I'm no, pretend laughing. That first laugh, <laughs> ladies and gents out there and everyone in between, um, that first one was definitely fake. It was cubic zirconia. And then the last one was definitely a full hearty Nick Neon laugh. That, that killed what, me. For real, right? <laughs> but like, and then and then it was just contagious because then I was like, we're both laughing yeah, at nothing. No, yeah, this that's, is hysterical. That's, yeah, wow. That's a bit of alchemy there. It it, yeah. it, I, it always stuck with me and I don't do it often enough, but yeah. like there's something to be said about like smiling and it just like happened just doing that. Mm-hmm. And it just, I don't know. It's something I light about that. it. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to start putting that in there. Right. Yeah. Taking it with us. Putting it in my moments. Yeah. Man. Why not, man? Life's too Especially short. Especially when you're alone. Yeah. I often, it's funny, like a weird side thing. It's like, I always my true bar of measure for like how funny a film is hmm. is if i'm laughing when i'm alone watching it dude that, that happened that it's like the the ratio of films that actually make me laugh when i'm alone as opposed to everybody's laughing and i just kind of join in yes it's huge there's a gap and so very few films truly like get into my heart yep. my funny bone and tickle it do a lot of things make you laugh out loud not in movies not in me like neither. comedy or honestly real life makes me laugh and my, the thing that fucking kills me and makes me laugh the hardest is like real world reacting. So like seeing a real person react to something will yep. kill me, you know? And then it's like, if you're watching it sort of in a, uh, in a fabricated situation or like fictional thing, it's really yep. hard to make me laugh because I know they're trying. Exactly. Yeah. And I find genuine reactions hysterical. And, and the thing is, is that in real life and in, in television and film, it's usually the very silly unexpected mm-hmm. not very funny things but that are just silly yeah that crack me up and yeah. that's in real life too it's like the silly little things yeah. that like i find such joy in but like it takes a lot to make me laugh out loud yeah if i'm watching a You're film right. or stand up or something yeah can you like can you think of something it's that has made you laugh out loud like a stand up or a show what has made you mm. laugh out loud i just thought of one thing yeah, well, what's what is it for you? I, I, I just thought of one thing that made me laugh out very loud. Have, have you ever seen Ricky Gervais's stand up out of England too? No, no. There's this one thing that he does, and if anybody's seen it out there, <laughs> I won't ruin a few. Yeah, you yeah. should see because okay. if you like him, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I think cool. he's wonderful. But he's pointing to the animals, and he he's doing this voice, and he's going, huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> huh? Nah, <laughs> and he like, does it over and over, and like a little kid, I like almost peed my pants. Yeah, no, that's too. Because his face and his accent, eh. yeah, <laughs> and I lost my shit. 
so simple, silly yeah, and right, simple, right, right. but it was just. But it got in, it t- got it got me. in touch. And it's in tune with something. Yes. In you. Yeah. What about you? Can you think I have, of something? I mean, recently, I'm not even sure. Like, what's a thing? Or a movie or a show that makes you laugh. Yeah. It's a rough one, right? It's a rough one. That's what I mean. Like, it's truly like it's hard for me to think of them. Some, some. I, it's like here. Like I, well, here I got to be honest. So I can't give you one. But what I can give you is like reading fucking YouTube comments <laughs> when people are upset or like something. My favorite is when someone loves something or hates something, and the ways in which they describe. They they feel Dude, so this day and age. responsible to like explain <laughs> with through metaphor and analogy like why something is so amazing or why it's so bad and it's like they don't realize how creative they're being oh it's it's you know what i mean you can't write you you can't can't. write that shit some of the shit that these people comment on that kind of thing is right now the thing that makes me the laugh okay it makes me laugh the most have you ever read haribo sugar-free oh my god oh my god oh my god (laughs) that okay back from in 2009 i was like one of the oh like I was like one of the like OGs, like the I was like one of the original people to find those randomly. I was before it oh became like a meme online. And Is it like, a meme online? My brother now, just told me about no, it, and I was like, like it's and like, I yeah. In recent years, it came back. But I was like, I remember being in Korea, and I was like trying to think of things to have my friend send me back in terms of care packaging. Yeah. And I was like, well, I was like on this like no sugar kick thing, and I was like. But I love gummy bears and I can't find gummy bears in Korea. And I was like, are there like sugar-free gummy bears? And that was literally how that started for me. And I remember being on a fucking train in Korea, in Seoul. Oh my god. And they are the most quiet motherfuckers on the planet. Like, and if you are loud at That's all, right. they call you That's out right. on it. So I had like a friend that was true. It's like they're very so about polite, yeah, like oh silent god. culture. Too much. Yeah, almost too much for I'm, me. I'm, yeah, I'm loud as hell. It's too much for them. I feel sorry. Yeah, I'm right. like, you can't you're not even allowed to be Right. human yeah it's changing with the younger generations but I it's definitely so. there but okay. i'm on this train reading the reviews and the ways in which these people tell their stories and they, <laughs> they prepare you they like start with a prologue and like they go into the first act they go to like they climax humans are natural storytellers oh my god that like it, just read the reviews for haribo sugarless gummies dude. and you will find some of the funniest fucking stories dude i i i, I, I was I, laughing so hard that i was embarrassed and i was red and i was shaking the train. and everybody oh was watching me and i felt i had to get off the train and sit on the bench and finish reading all of them and there were like 50, there was like a 50 to 100 reviews at the time. Dude. That so is, the fact that you just brought that up, that's the funniest thing I've ever encountered. Yeah. Dude. Easily. When I read those, like, <laughs> yeah. because my brother was just, I was, I, my brother lived in Portland, Oregon for like ever. This was years ago. And he was like, oh, because I was eating some sugar-free candy. Yeah. He was like, did you ever have a sugar-free gummy yeah. bear? And then he just was like, <laughs> he's like, read yeah, these. Yeah. And I was like, what? I know, I know. It is, it is, yeah, I know, I, yeah. Oh, it's too They good. are literally so funny. It They're was like, so I was graphic. splitting. They're That's what I mean. It's so, so graphic <laughs> and so like filled with metaphors. Every detail like, is and like. It's like, and then the third <laughs> circle of hell opened up. Yes, and like, yes. like everyone has some incredible, descri- so descriptive. It's. <laughs> the best oh my god oh my god i yeah for years i remember spending like a night like a saturday night getting drunk with an ex reading those reviews again like to me that was like our date night and we spent we like we spent probably three hours 
laughing with each other so hard and drinking and lying in bed just reading these reviews that's Dude, you know that that kind is of thing like you can't make see, that's yeah. the kind, right. it was beautiful it's beautiful <laughs> like for real and here's the thing it you know why because it was honest it's everything honest. is about honesty like humor truth like the you know everything everything, everything comes back to truth that's so, why it's funny that's why movies don't make me laugh as much it's like right? reactions make me laugh because it's the truth it's the truth that makes the truth uh, is what we're right here yeah that's exactly that's what this conversation that's is. it's about truth that's why we connect yep that's why we are drawn towards the same kinds of things i that makes complete sense mm-hmm. and you know and that's why your work speaks because it doesn't hide about it doesn't hide around trying to make it look good yeah. it's trying not to hide and make it look how it really is yeah yeah and that's and that is a journey because that is for me as a human the hardest thing it's been a journey to let people see me to really let people see me yeah there's something that you said being about being truthful mm-hmm. and comedy springs from the truth mm-hmm. which is what anthony my old acting teacher would always say uh-huh. right comedy springs from the truth yeah and so when you said earlier that you didn't you never saw yourself creating films or directing drama mm-hmm. or especially acting in drama yeah. what did you see yourself because actually one question i had i i have hardly looked at my my list because we're just <laughs> talking but was like could you ever see yourself doing comedy hmm. and is that something that you saw over drama or was it more horror yeah. and stuff yeah no so so initially like when i was back in the phase of like i'm just going to direct movies i am still to this day like a massive horror fan I'm 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 big on visceral feelings, mm. visceral reactions, visceral you know the ride. Yes. So for me, that is like a big thing. So I am gonna make a like a, a big return to horror. Um, it's it's I have a few pieces that I'm like ready, but I just know that I think I have to do it in this order right now because I I have the resources and tools, and it doesn't cost as much to make this sort of film. Yeah. And hopefully it allows for me to be in a better position to ask for more resources mm-hmm. and budget and stuff yeah, so yeah. that I can truly art direct the shit out of the horror that I want to do. But I want to do horror and blend it with like K-pop sensibilities and like mm. I just want to do this crazy thing of like blending genres. Um, So that's on the that's later. Okay. But the thing about the comedy like honestly I don't think I would ever do like a straight up comedy. Just it's not my it's not my thing. But I think everything that I do, I do try and instill it with comedy. And um, again, and it's like the comedy has to come from the truth. So like Zero One gets massive laughs like throughout. Like, And I just didn't see that coming. I didn't know it was going to happen. I was just trying to be truthful. And the dinner scene in particular is literally like it kills it oh. is the most crowd pleasing. Like everyone is screaming and hooting and hollering and like engaging the. So good. It's like it's really intense. And then they go dead quiet when the fight starts to yep. mount. And that was what I was hoping to achieve when I was writing it. And then when we were editing it, I was like trying to build a rhythm to the scene. Yeah. And it's a long sequence. It's like seven, eight minutes long. So like I, I, you know, I hoped the scene would get a good reaction like mm-hmm. i wanted the zero one for me was the um dysfunctional family dinner film i wanted to do my version of the fucked up dinner uh-huh <laughs> and so like 
you know, there's two ways to play that. There's like make it extremely dark and then there's a way of doing it where it's like funny. And then I decided I wanted to blend the two. I wanted to like disarm the audience by making it start very light and strange and funny. And then I want to get to the heart of it, which was that he says, like, just because, like, you know, or rather telling me that you love me, but you can't accept me doesn't equal love. That was... And that's the truth. And I needed to get a scene built upwards to that moment to get Jim to get that upset mm. and to say also, like, the thing is, I'm always ashamed, dad. Like that to me was those two lines, like to his family were so important yeah. to me and I know so you know and so it's like I felt like if it was all serious the power of those moments would be lost so you know just for multiple reasons and so like there I, I believe in the power of humor and without humor we would not be here like yeah. I feel like yeah I, I kept saying like humor has saved my yeah. life so yeah so that's so so that was an example of like I would do humor and comedy like that and I mean my horror films will have comedy like always an element of humor yeah but it's but i wouldn't do an outright comedy i'd never say never i was gonna say but, i was gonna say never say never because the, i'll i'll say that yeah because yeah, yeah. you do have a very comedic bone in you yeah, yeah but it's not a it's not a slapstick comedy in your face bone no it's a it's a darker more subtle humor yeah and i and my favorite films uh comedy films are black comedies I love that's dark. I, I was humor. gonna ask you yeah, yeah, yeah. what what are your that's one of the questions I was gonna ask yeah, you. Like like Death Becomes Her. Mm. That do you know that? I haven't I don't think oh I've my seen God. that. It's an old one. It's yeah. like a cult classic now, but it's about like our obsession with beauty and wanting to mm. live forever and it's got like Goldie Hawn, Bruce Willis and uh Meryl Streep really hamming it up. It's like a-list actors in a B-list movie huh. with like A-list special effects. Oh my god. But they god. basically I mean I don't want to say a lot, but they're fighting over the same man and they are both obsessed with like not getting older and Vanity. it takes them down some really fucked up huh. roads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I want to see it. It's pretty good. It, yeah. But anyway, so like that type of thing. Yeah. I was going to say also like, I don't, I, I, again, I don't think I would direct a comedy, but I would sure as hell star in comedies. Yes. Yeah. I, I definitely love that energy. Yep. And that's like, you know, like that was born in like my time doing improv as well. Yeah. And, when are we going to create something together? I know. We, I mean, we, I mean, I, you know, obviously I, I believe in the timing yeah. of everything. Yeah. You know, we've always said that. Yeah. But I think, I think we have something to create. Yeah. I definitely do. Like, see, that's the other thing. Like with you, like I, I could see, I could foresee it being like kind of a dark comedy, like having comedy in there sort of. And I think, I think cause we can both think on a very similar plane, mm -hmm. but we can, because we're both very different. We can also stretch each other, yeah, in different yes. directions, yeah, yeah. which I think could, I think, I think what we bring to the table would be a really awesome collaboration. Yes, an yeah. interesting one. Yeah, I agree. And when the time is right, it will be yeah. a really wonderful yeah. thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'll. It's one. It's a thing of like the story revealing itself. Yep. Like yeah. And I think. And I feel like I feel like that was like a thing when we were back when we were starting to become closer yeah. and talking and. Like we went to the, I went to, I went shadowed the Anthony Avison class yes. and stuff. And we're just kind of like vibing. And it's like, I relate more to female characters. You were relating more to male characters. That's so like, that was a huge thing. Yeah. Cause I, I didn't really acknowledge it until then either. Like I didn't realize it until like you were like, well, pick monologues or scenes or that you do. And I was like, yeah. I instantly kept thinking of these female characters. Right. Yeah. 
And then it's a, so for those of you listening, like that's that was something huge that Nick and I in our friendship discovered. So whenever I have written, I always write in the voice of a male. Mm-hmm. It is very, very, I, I don't know why, but that's just genuinely what comes from me. And every character, whether I pick a monologue or I pick something I want to do, it's very hard for me to find something that a female has done that I'm deeply drawn to. It's always male. Mm-hmm. And whenever, like, you know, people are always like, who are your favorite actors? It's usually men. It's very few. And so, like. Yeah, complete opposite. And me. complete opposite. Mm-hmm. And, like, so, yeah. And so when we discovered that, like, you identify so much with the female voice yeah. and female yeah. actors that you totally adore. Mm-hmm. I think that's fascinating about us. Yeah. And I think that's what's going to lead to, like, the right collaboration. Yep. Yeah. When the day comes, we'll have really oh, yeah. great times with yes, it. Yes, yes. Amazing. What else? There's so much. There's so much that I want to ask you, and there's so much. But a couple of things. We both love when Harry met Sally. Oh, we were, I was just talking about it last night. Were you? <laughs> yep. We were at like a birthday thing, and I and the birthday girl and her boyfriend had finally saw. It. They had finally just seen it, and I was just like, oh. It's the classic. It's, it's like the it's, cl- the it's the best. It's the best. it's one of, and yeah. it's and thirty years later, it's still that, so I just, so contemporary and so. What's the word? What am I thinking? Um, it's so, it holds up. It holds up. Relevant. So, it's so relevant. Thank oh. you. It just it's like so relevant today. I it's amazing. The, the tech of dating has changed. Yes. We're not using Rolodex. Right. We got Tinder. Right. But that the the way in which people think and like how they want to like. Yep. You know, like get over people and yes. rebound, or like yes, and their hopes of people hopes that of, yeah, everything pe- is so it's relevant that, today. I still. know, and it, not, it's almost like nothing has changed, and it's, it's not a coinky dink that it was written by a woman. I don't believe. I, Nora Ephron is I fucking know. stunning, dude. I love her. She's it, one of my favorite voices. And really, actually, it's funny. I when Harry met Sally is one of the screenplays on my computer that I, I'll access and reference while writing Electric Mars. Not for really? like pure content reasons, but just because I feel like my film is going to also uh, similarly have like a lot of dialogue. Mm. And I'm trying to see like, I just want to see like where my beats are lining up and yeah. on what pages hers lined up. And, you know, like it just yeah, is yeah. a helpful tool to kind of, of figure course. out, like to shape my version of a story about totally. lovers. Yeah, about, yeah. Figuring it out. Like yeah. seeing, like, especially when you identify with somebody's, writing about right. the it's way a, that they yes, see it and that it holds exactly. still true to you yeah, yeah. that makes it's like a north star in a sense yeah. of like keeping aligned yes, with yourself yes yeah it's like when harry met sally eternal sunshine yep. the before yep. trilogy that's <sighs> literally my holy trinity Ugh. of love stories wow and then maybe so like beautiful. yeah and then maybe like right below it is actually Brokeback mountain do you know i still have not seen that movie <gasps> wow i know it's, it's kind of it's like so a beautiful. i i it's I one of those I things where like I that. think it's like and it's like within my community again there's like a whole there's a lot there about to unpack about like you know it's like two straight men playing gay men yeah and then there was a straight director and all this stuff and it's like here's the thing I will take that movie over a lot of gay directed films any day because that one still feels more truthful about the human condition mm. and and I don't care what it's like Ang Lee lost his father around the time that he got that script. Mm. And that was his entry point into the film, that idea of losing the one you love. And so like his film is punctuated yeah. throughout by that feeling of like losing love and what it's like to be a lonely person. And I thought he I thought he honored what it felt like to be gay to a T. 
you know like I, that's yeah, beautiful yeah I really I, I think it's an incredible film and it honors it's realistic about the women and how they suffered you know because the men were hiding yeah. and anyway it's like a whole thing I mean, it's also a beautiful short story you know and yeah written by a yes. woman so it, it, it yeah I think it's a stunning film I always forget to add it in there like because like the other movies speak more to me but right. Brokeback still like really always gets me that, um, that would be my like my holy four I really want to see that. There's something, and I think we've spoke on this now multiple times, but there, when I look at a script as an actor, there is nothing that I can read, and this is for me, and I'm grateful for that, but there is no character that I can read and not get. Maybe, to this day, maybe maybe there will be. I'm not saying, I, I'm not saying I'm, that makes me a good actor. I'm saying it makes me human. Mm-hmm. And you there's, can access. Yes, that there is, if, I'm, if it's a serial killer, I can still identify. I talk about this all the time when I'm when I'm coaching actors and stuff because I know what it's like to be angry. Mm-hmm. I know what it's like to have these thoughts of you know of you know being terrible or doing terrible things. The difference is sanity and and choosing not to take the action, but I know what that feels like. Right. So if you if I and it took me years to get comfortable with anger, mm-hmm. but if I can be okay with the feelings that go under whatever these characters, male, female, loss, pain, abandonment, whatever the, the scene may call for, I know what, I can identify with those human feelings and so yeah. I can relate to another human being. Yeah. Um, I think that that's what, I find a lot of times actors, um, I, I shouldn't say a lot of times, I'll take that back. There are times where I see actors go, I don't get that. Yeah. Or like, I wouldn't do that. Well, I think I think maybe subconsciously they're blocking themselves yes. from getting truly into those shoes. It becomes yeah. a, it's more of a superficial thing then. You know, like you you have to be 100% committed to going where that person goes. Yeah. I'm dealing with that with writing, you know, like because I'm writing a character for myself and I find myself censoring myself still. And it's mm-hmm. like that, I'm that. afraid to like look even uglier or look ups. There's like a scene where like a little preview, but like yeah. Jim sleeps with this this beautiful stranger that it's it's clearly something that's different than all the other dudes he's been with mm. and he's not admitting it but like it it feels so real to him and there's a scene prior to them sleeping together of him sort of like quietly stalking him and like screen capping his Tinder photo mm. cropping it and then making it his like lock screen photo and it's like, I was very afraid to write that into the script. And I kept avoiding it. And it's like, I've done that plenty of times. So many people do known it. Known three people. No, I mean, I've known someone for three days. And then I'm like, all right, this is this guy is like making yeah. me happy. But it's not even like that I might be putting pressure. It's just for this single moment. It's like putting up a kitty photo that mm-hmm. makes you happy. It's like for this moment, yeah. you want to remember this person's yeah. face. But I was so I was so afraid to write that in. And then it happened again when... They sleep together and then they have this like intimate moment and it's like they might actually be something Mm -hmm. and then they split off before they make it a thing. But he goes and lies back down in the bed and he smells the pillow Mm. and he finds like one of his hairs and he just starts like running it on like his eyelid. Yeah. And that to me was like, that's such a real thing to me. And I am so glad that I had the courage to put it back in and keep it. But I was so scared of that moment and the Tinder crop photo thing like... I'm so scared to like access my humanity and look flawed or look, um, I'm like, oh, that's going to make him look obsessive compulsive right. or like 
and maybe it is yeah and and it's like and that's who i am and that that's i have to embrace every part of me i can't just take the good and fucking look the other way with the bad like and and bad is also i was gonna say exactly it's it's completely with all the what makes sense what doesn't make sense what's still a process a work in progress we are right and all those things i've been unhealthy dating where you know like the obsessive thinking and what i'm gonna call and looking at my phone every two seconds and right you know what these are all parts that i know they're so hard to let anybody know i want to act like i'm so cool and i'm not phased Mm -hmm. but the truth is is that i would then call a really good friend and cry hysterically because of these things that they're not just about the surface they're not just about the picture they go deep of us wanting to connect and being hurt when it doesn't and on and on right but it's thank you for saying it yourself it's courageous yeah you need to show those parts of yourself because those are the human parts that we all connect with those are the ones those are the moments that everyone's gonna understand exactly and that you have the courage to put out there yeah so thank you for that no yeah thank you for hearing it so okay so that's what's next so what's the name of it you've said it a couple times Uh, yeah electric mars okay so that's what it's a it's a it's a title with double meanings because at the end of zero one obviously he he pulls out an old box of like illustrations that he's he's avoided right and he was trying to build a graphic novel that was his like dream he wants to make a graphic novel about a robot 400 years into the future who falls in love with another robot mm. and it was called electric mars and the the robot's called mars so in and so at the end of the film it's him reopening that box of dreams and saying i might do this yeah and i wanted to touch on that so i'm glad <laughs> you are that's perfect that's so, one of the things so, i wrote down yeah no it's funny and so now Electric Mars is like two years later. He's back in Seoul. He has created a space in his apartment that is like a studio and he's developing. He's, there's lots of doodles and sketches of robots and cityscapes of the future and all of that. Yeah. But he doesn't know how to turn that into a story. Mm. So he's just he's just vibing as an artist and that's all that he's doing. He just knows that it's eventually one day going to be this graphic novel called Electric Mars. Which, just to point out, you spoke about earlier, there's all these parts of yourself, there's all these things, and what, wh- how, how is this a story? What what should be told? What deserves right, right, to be right. told? But yeah. it's just very, yeah, no, very yeah, aligned, exactly. yeah, absolutely. Very aligned with your character. And uh, so, like that, so the title of the film is kind of this elusive thing. It's like Electric Mars that never gets made mm. because throughout the course of the film, it still doesn't really happen. And then he falls in love, and then love takes the place of the dream. And and again, he, at the end of the film, he's like, "I'm left with nothing. I did nothing with this last year of my twenties." Kind of. And he and there's like there's a journey there for him to come to yeah. peace with that finally truly um in his own way but then the other thing for me is like it's like the equivalent of calling the film jimmy park it's like electric mars is like him Hmm. and it's like he's making this like graphic novel about a robot but it's like mars representing like the idea is that his nickname in high school was mars because he's like the god of war like he has such a temper and rage issues and Hmm. he's always at war and conflict with himself and then the electric part is the part of him that's beautiful and like stunningly young and naive and and mm. you know like free and dichotomy of the dichotomy of so for me electric yeah. mars is like that it's going to just explore like what it looks like to be in conflict with oneself but through the lens of remembering how electric it felt mm-hmm. and so that's so yeah and that's what i'm writing and working on and we're you know slowly taking it one day at a time you know and just and that's all i can do so if you guys haven't gathered this already the beauty of this 
man's soul <laughs> and your storytelling <laughs> and your courage and you have a fan for life in me no, you know that i i likewise. i adore you and not just Thank because you. you are the most beautiful human ever but because i speak about your work objectively it's beautiful Thank you. and you're doing beautiful stuff yeah and so that's what you guys have to look forward to next yeah. electric mars oh god when when do you think um and no timelines because mm -hmm. uh do you yeah. have a, do you have a, like a set time you want to kind of have this out and about or you want to be done with this the screenplay or um i'm hoping to get the screenplay done by april okay. like a first draft that can start going out yeah. and be shopped around yep, a little yep. and get feedback and stuff i would in an ideal world love to be back in seoul like location scouting preparing to shoot end of year like winter time going into spring of next year because the film takes place over the seasons and i kind of want to properly capture that so would you expect to be there a lot or for yeah, a long time yeah, yeah, yeah. or back and probably forth? like six months yeah wow. shooting i don't think will take that long right, but i right, think right. i want to edit it there. there and yeah. i want to yeah i might even spend some time prior to starting to do a final draft like in the yep. world of the, the location again yeah yep. immersing yourself yeah in yeah that's the one thing I, I mean i've been wanting to do that sooner but i you know it's hard to do it you know like life actually yeah, yes, yeah and exactly. financially like other work obligations it's hard to yeah find a second to fly to the side of the world and yeah. just enjoy it and write and um yeah when it's the time it will you know yes. that yeah, you, yeah, yeah you trust the process yes mostly yeah. at this point yeah yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> trying to so all right, for everybody that I'm sure wants to keep up with you, mm -hmm. where can they find you? Where can they see your work? Yeah, so uh, I'll be back on social media soon enough. Begrudgingly. Um, <laughs> 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 message I, him, but I, don't be upset when he does not message you back. <laughs> I do, I do like love Instagram. Yeah. I do use it sort of as a visual journal. Yeah. So I will be back on there for sure. And that is my main sort of outlet to reach out to other people or, or yeah. for other people to see updates on my stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's Nikki Neon, N-I-C-K-Y. And or you could just go to my website, NikkiNeon.com. And there will always sort of be like some information about where you can watch stuff. N-I-C-K-Y. N-I-C-K-Y. N-E-O-N. Ultra Blue is available online already it's mm -hmm. also available like through like amazon and a, another streaming service called deku and it's mm. on youtube it's about to get re-released on youtube under my the, the queer network okay, we're working wow. to make that happen right now Wonderful. in time for a world a digital world premiere of zero one on the queer network and a streaming service this is going to happen april 1st so i'm just like planning we're planning fooled for you <laughs> <laughs> wait what do you mean april fool's day april oh Friday. shit <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm going to be the one. Nerd. No, I'm that's such so a nerd. funny. I did not hear that. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I promise it's not a lie. <laughs> it's really happening. Yes, yes. That's wonderful. Yeah, you yeah. You didn't even yeah. tell me that stuff. That's beautiful. Yeah, so that's 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 what's coming up next. Amazing. So before I let your lovely self go, for those of you tuning in, you know what time it is. Do you know? That's right. It's time for the big face feather in your cat. So by feather in your cap, we mean a success, achievement, or something you've learned that may help you in the future. So every week, we ask our guest if they wouldn't mind to give our listeners a feather to put in their caps. Would you be willing to share anything with our listeners? 
so much i know let me give me a second and you don't it could be more than one yeah. thing it could be the first thing that comes to mind yeah i just think there's something very special about overcoming something or seeing the other side of something and having a feather in our cap because of it yeah. and being able to offer that to others so i mean i i i would have to say that i've spent most of my 32 years on this good green earth feeling behind schedule hmm. and now I know 100% that there is no such thing as being behind your own life it's at your own pace it's at your own desire you choose who comes in and out you choose what direction you take. You choose how and when you want to love and how you want to create. And the sooner you figure that out, the better you'll be able to sort of leave this world behind knowing that you did what you wanted. Mm. And that's that. Preach, man. Whew, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that one. I'll put that in my cap as well. Everybody, we got to thank Nick Neon for being here today. It was um, a pleasure and an honor always. For me, for me too, seriously. Thank you so much. Thank you so much thank for being for here. Thank you for witnessing me. Yeah. Thank you for being here. You're, I'm grateful to have you. And I'm sure we'll have you back. Yeah, I'd love to. Love you. Thank you love so you. much, man. Bye. Oh.